guys. I thank you all for sitting in and let's have a conversation today. As we continue our conversation about taking care of ourselves and self-love and self-care, I want to take a moment to read to you all um, a blog that I spent a lot of time processing in the last week or so, and it's called Shine a Light. And the reason why I wanted to, to share this with you is because you all are people who have been shining your lights, and you all have been looking at how you can make a difference in the life of others. So I first want to read this, and then I want to introduce you all to the wider audience. Okay, now, on 9-11, I watched a CNN special called Shine a Light. The show was in memory of, a, of disaster from the World Trade Center, where over 3,000 and more people lost their lives. The show was filled with memories, messages, and entertainment. I wondered about the theme, and I tried to understand how we, all people, can shine a light to make this world a better place. I ruminated on the title, and I concentrated on what else I can do to brighten my light. I decided to go to my contact list, and reach out to a number of friends and have a conversation on what we can, what we each can do to make a difference in the life of the world. How can you shine a light? You can be kinder to yourself and each other. You can be a good neighbor. You can hold on to hope and share your power. You can do a good deed for yourself while you do for others. Now, keep in mind, the world would be a better place if each of us contribute to change. The world belongs to you, so don't let it change you, said a rapper, Rapper Common. You can change it and make it a better place for yourself and all of us. Only light can drive off darkness, according to Martin Luther King. Now guys, put a battery in your torch and keep your light bright. Your work towards being a, work towards being a bigger and better person. Peace. As we go into this conversation, we will be looking at how we, we each and every one of us have contributed to, to a brighter place. We want to go back to a little bit of what you think you have done to shine your light and to brighten your light. And keep in mind that brightening your light and shining your light begins with you, begins with your own self-care, begins with your own making a difference in your space, in your world, in your community, before you reached out to fix the wider world. Vita, do you want to speak to shining a light? Like each and every one of us, we do so much behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. What comes to mind for you? Yeah, Tori, I, you want to take that? Or? Wow, I always think, <laughs> how much time do I have? <laughs> I always feel like I have so much to say and so much to share and small like window of opportunity I guess because I love that analogy about putting a battery in your flashlight I love that it just you know it's so you can relate to that as someone who is always even as a young child was a light and a beacon for whatever reason I don't know exactly always kind of stood out um and for the most part in a good way <clears throat> and have always wanted to help others. Even as a, a young child, I would stick up for the kid who was getting bullied. And, and in turn, I got myself beat up. But I, it taught me how to be tough and how to be strong. 
and not to take any nonsense from anybody, especially not the boys who are usually the ones doing the bullying, at least when, when I was a kid. I guess there's a central theme for me that always comes back to me. If I'm okay, everyone else I'm reaching out to, whether it's a total stranger on the street who I've just encountered is having a bad experience, or if it's a family member, or if it's a client, I have to keep myself intact because I want to be there for other people. I want to be that light. I want to be that support. Uh, I want the people to feel that they can lean on me, but I can't fall over in that process. So I have to keep myself strong. And the one central thing keeps coming back for me, how I manage myself to keep myself intact physically, emotionally, psychologically, is by staying fit. And until the day I die, I will emphasize, if you do nothing else, if you stay fit physically, you will be emotionally fit, you will be psychologically fit, you'll be able to um, manage your mental health better. And I always use the analogy, if you look at the football players on the field, you see the hits they take, and they get back up because they're fit. Right. And it's the same thing. It's an analogy you can use through life. If you're fit, you can get back up from physical hits, literally, whether you get hit by a car or hit by your partner, uh, emotional stuff, partner leaving you, losing your job, death in the family. Right. We have to keep ourselves intact because stuff's going to happen. So I guess for me, the overriding thing is if you stay fit and fitness can look different for different people, you stay fit. You can be the strength for yourself and therefore you can be there for others, whether it's like doing work that Roz continues to do in the anti-violence movement or if it's just your child or a friend or a family member because no person is an island. We all need each other and I am the woman I am today because other people and particularly women who I could look up to, who shone their light, who led the way and that includes not just white women, but black women. And I looked to the states a lot for that because there was more, at that time, more black women who were active and being activists that I could, like Angela Davis, who I put on a pedestal at a very young age. If you don't know who she is, she was one of the Black Panthers. Um, but anyways, so that's, that's my overriding thing is um, stay fit. And I think I want to really summarize that and say, what is fitness? For me, fitness is the relationship between the inner selves and the physical self, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual self. Because all the different parts of the self, no one operates on an island. No part of the self is on an island. They all intertwine and intermingle. Because if you're not emotionally fit, it would affect your physical well-being. If you're not physically fit, it's going to affect your emotional well-being or your spiritual well-being. So to make a longer story short, it's mm -hmm. really important when we talk about fitness, we really have to make sure all components and all facets of the self are in harmony. They intertwine. And yes, when you physically do your stuff, it secrete hormones that will really affect the emotional well-being in a positive way and vice versa. Um, so that's a conversation we can have as long as we wish. But I think when I listen to Victoria, that is what I hear. And that's our reality. I think it's interesting how we all have um, a spotlight, if you will. When I, you know, when I, I listen, you're very strong on fitness. And, and Dr. Roz, you're, you're, you encompassed all 
all, all parts of being. And I think that our weaknesses are our strength. I, I have always been in the beauty industry and I've always felt it's a little superficial, but for whatever reason, my mother was a hairdresser. I was brought up in, in that makeup, beauty, hair world. And it just seemed that there was a purpose in it. And I thought my purpose was to, as a, in a cosmetic company, to provide a service, help women start their own business. I thought that was my spotlight, if you will. But now as I'm getting older, I'm really realizing that, no, it's a bigger picture. And it's really finding our, our authentic self. It's finding my authentic self. So it comes from each one of us and our weaknesses, are, which are our strengths, and then building up on that. So having said that, I'm now becoming really who I'm meant to be. And it's not about what I look like, even though that's where it started. And so it's just turning into this incredible story that I'm finding that if I share my story and my concerns and my weaknesses and my all of that it it allows everyone else to speak their truth or their concerns and i think that for me the spotlight is is starting a conversation honestly and truthfully and not candy coating anything i think that that is my spotlight and i haven't even finished the rest of the chapters i'm looking forward mm -hmm. to going okay well what is the ending of this book <laughs> that's what i'm excited about and I, I, I really feel that my mission in life is to put a light on the future so that there's no fear of getting older. And I've said that before in, in other podcasts, but I really, I'm getting clarity with it. The more I talk to other women, it's, it's like this momentum that's building. So, and it changes. And I, that would not have been my, my conversation when I was in my 20s. But it is now as I'm approaching 60. So I just find this all really, really fascinating how we all have different entities and, and different conversations, but they actually fuel the whole package of us as strong, powerful women. That's right. And, and if we go back to the beginning of this talk about the self, the four or five different components of the self, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual self, when those selves come together in harmony and they join and they are partying together and having a good time being healthy and physically strong and emotionally and spiritually connected, you see the beauty. Mm. You see how the beauty become our strength because it plays out in who we are, how we are, how we live, how we present ourselves to others. And if we really want to talk about the authentic self, we really need to reinforce the fact that Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Beauty is not what you see on the cover of a magazine. I had an experience as a leader. We ran programs in schools for about 20 years. And the program is called The Vibe. So we had a program for body image and self-esteem and building confidence and believing in yourself for, for girls, teenage girls. And I remember training two or three or four young women who were facilitators of this program. And this particular session 
one of my facilitators, after being trained for many years, decided to do a program on self-esteem and body image. And I walked into the session as a mentor, and I heard this young woman, the facilitator, telling a group of Muslim women who all the age of 16 to 18, that Beyonce was the perfect body image. And yes, as a mentor, as a supervisor, as a leader, I lost it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I put my body, my delicate loving body on a, a desk. And I said to the, the group of, it was about 15 to 17 young Muslim women. And I said to them, I said, your body is yours. You have to love everything about it. I said, we don't know who Beyonce is. We don't see Beyonce as the perfect body image, your body image, what you do with it, how you treat it, how you love it, how you hold it, how you walk with it, how you lift and elevate your breasts to be proud, how you lift your head to the sky, how you smile, how you say no when no you mean to say no, how you say yes, how you set your boundaries, that's your beauty. So in talking about beauty, Vita, beauty comes in so many different ways and forms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And beauty is really about your inner strength, mm -hmm. your holistic strength, the way you present it and the way you carry it, the way you don't use your beauty to abuse or misuse or exploit another person or another group. So yeah, wherever we go with this conversation, it comes right back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, when you were saying, uh, Vita, about, you know, getting older and aging, and um, I'm so excited about getting old because I don't like the alternative. If I'm not aging, I'm dead. So we, and aging is a natural process. It's not normal and natural to be obese as we age or to lose muscle as we age or to have illness and disease as we age. While it's common, it's not normal. And we can, to, to a great extent, we get to decide how we age. Not 100% of the time, but most often we do. And they found with studies that uh, genes play less and less a role. You say, well, I'm genetically predisposed to heart disease or diabetes because it was in my family. No, you don't. That will load the gun. Your lifestyle will pull the trigger. Not that I want to use that kind of a violent analogy, but I just did. Right? So we have control over how we age by the lifestyle choices we make. You don't all of a sudden say, oops, I got diabetes. Oops, I had a heart attack. Oops. No, there's no oops. It's your lifestyle choices you've made your entire life. So for me, coming back to the fitness, I see my skin wrinkling and sagging and sometimes like, Bleh! but then I flex my muscles and I think, damn, I'm strong and I can do anything I want. And I do. I So like I said, I still ride my motorcycle. I still go to Wonderland. I did a two-day kayaking trip two weekends ago, 22 portages, six lakes in two days, could have kept going. My friend too, uber fit. So it's not just, while image is so important for women and that's fine, that works for you. I like to look pretty too, look, got my little lippy on. I got my little mascara on. I wear a mascara and lipstick every day. That's a part of how I feel. But my, like Roz was saying to your point, Roz, like true inner beauty comes from so many different levels and so many because we're so multifaceted as women and that when you feel the confidence 
in yourself. To me, that is so beautiful. A, con a strong, confident woman, super sexy, super like, that's how I want to be. So to your point, Roz, you know, beauty takes on so many different aspects. And just and so I quickly. It narrows down to the language that we use speaking about the authentic self. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a little girl growing up in Trinidad, which is a very racist country because it is so divided by race and class, which is what you find in, around the world. I remember my, 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 my grandmother who came from a very brown skin, um, biracial background, who just got, did not like black people like me. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother, as a child, she would say, oh, your hair is too tangled, it's too hard, your lips are too thick, your, your nose is too big, your cheekbones are too high. And hearing this as a child, not knowing your own analysis and your own beauty, it can really impact on you. But mm -hmm. I would go to see my auntie in Arima, and I would tell my auntie, I'm seven, eight, nine, and 10 years old, and I would tell my auntie, auntie, this is what granny said. Auntie would grab me around her arms and she would say, darling, you are my African princess. You are so beautiful. So what she did was flip the tape. Mm -hmm. The tape that goes in your psyche, which I call the tape, the messages, the direct and indirect messages that go into that tape as a child or as you're growing up. At some point, if you don't have someone to help flip that tape, change mm -hmm. those messages, you can be really traumatized by, by what is beauty in the eyes of, of others. So yes. I grew up with all the struggles and challenges and obstacles hearing that tape, and I still do. Mm. Hearing that tape, darling, you are a little African princess. You are so beautiful. And what my auntie was trying to do was to erase the messages that my grandmother was putting on my tape. Mm -hmm. And that's what I am trying to say is what I, I feel I'm trying to with collectively with so many other women say to change the tape. It's not when we get older, nobody has stood up and said, this gets better. No one is saying it's not about the wrinkles or the lines. What if we change the dialogue and said, wow, the more lines you have, that means you've got more stories to tell and you really lived a well life. Like yes. What <laughs> what if that, but it's collectively everyone changing the story. If you didn't yep. have your auntie changing the tape, you may not have the positivity that you do now. So it's like changing the dialogue that we've had for so many years. That's, that's what's critical right now. And it, it, and it goes to, goes to everyone, uh, white, black, fat, gay, whatever. It doesn't, every, there are so many. Every human being. Yes. Yes, that finally we're changing the dialogue. Finally. Mm -hmm. And, and okay. the dialogue is a, it's a real dialogue because I would say from my, my where I sit is that what I can do today, I could not do it when I was 30 or 40 mm -hmm. or 50 or 60. Mm -hmm. in, in, with exact, and I mean what I can do today, I couldn't do it when I was 25. I wasn't wise enough or mm -hmm. strong enough or aware enough, or willing enough. But with aging, whatever that word is, aging is a number. As, as the longer that you evolved, and you know you recycle yourself, and you reset yourself, you get so much more. 
so much more beauty, so much more confidence, so much more strength. But this is not to say that we don't want our young ones to wait until they become 40 and 50 and 60. We want them to get the message now. Yes. And this is why we do podcasting. This is why we speak to, to one another and we speak to the wider viewer. And this is why we are mentors. This is why we brighten our lights. And this is why we shine. Because we don't wait until you're 60 or 70 or 50. Take the message from us now. We've been there, done that. Self-care. Alicia, your thoughts? Wow. So, firstly, I am sitting here and I'm saying, oh my gosh, I am so privileged to be in company of strong women. Um, I'm 41 and I feel like, listen, you guys are totally making me feel like I'm in the company of royalty. Oh, well. <laughs> well, we are all royalty, including you. Yes. yes. What my auntie told me when I was a child. Exactly. She said, darling, exactly. you're an African princess. And yes. each and every one a princess of beauty in our own special way. This mm -hmm. is royalty. It is. And for me, I think that um, shining, my, shining light, what it means to me firstly is finding inner peace. Me finding that inner peace to be able to share with others. In order for me to give, I needed to know who I was, what was good for my soul, what was good for my health, what was good for my mental, what was good for my everything, my emotions. I had to find that. So now I feel like I'm able to say, listen, I want to share this with you. I want to take you on this journey because it feels so good to understand who you are as an individual to be so comfortable, to be able to say, um, you know, I, I did this, I went through this, I, I, I powered through this, and now I'm able to share with you and shine with you, mm -hmm. you know? That for me is what I think I'm trying to, trying to like me. That's where, that's where, I, that's where I feel like I found my, my inner peace. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to share stuff with people and you don't know who you are or what you're about or you don't feel like you, you love yourself enough, or you're not in that place to do that, you know, because you're, you're, you need to be able to be there to show up for someone else. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what, that's what I feel shining light is for me. Mm -hmm. So now I'm so happy to be able to say, listen, come on, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's work on it. Let's work on yourself. Let's work because I've been there so I can relate and we can move forward. And that, that's how I feel about that, definitely. Mm -hmm. So well, when, you, um, when you said, Alicia, you know, how you felt in, in listening to all of us, how you felt like you were amongst royalty. <laughs> and Roz was very quick to make a comment about that. And my gut reaction, I had two reactions, was like, oh, well, yes, we are very <laughs> special, all of us. And my second re reaction was, I hope, in her saying that, that she does not feel that because she sees us as royalty, to use your words, is less than us. Because everybody comes with a different life experience and, you know, you're coming from an entirely different culture. And I have so much admiration and respect for you because I know it's very different in the islands than it is mm -hmm. here in a big metropolis, culturally diverse, and also as for me as a white woman. So mm -hmm. the fact that 
you're you know, participating in this and you're open and you're sharing. And to me, you are in, you're on the same level as all of us. Right? Um, and, and being different means better. No, but just, when you talk about being um, fit, so, I mean, you, you do fit. You do fit all the time. When I hear you speak, you speak about being fit, and I love that. And I'm saying to myself, listen, I need to be more fit. You're giving me encouragement to get, get it together, you know? <laughs> you know? And, um, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, everyone, just as um, it had said, everyone comes from a different place mm-hmm. with a different um, story, with a different, um, a different vibe. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. has their own authenticity, which I love. You know, mm-hmm. so when I hear you say stuff, and, and of course, Vita says stuff, and even um, me and Dr. Ross, of course, I feel like this sort of, I wish that this could be so big that everyone could get into this feeling that you feel like, mm-hmm. hey, you're not, it's not just about, it's not about me per se. It's like, it should be spread all over, but because there are so many people who don't feel that level of confidence or esteem, or, or they have stuff going on that you think they're walking around on the street and they're okay and they're not, yes. you know. So I am that was I'm privileged. I'm privileged to be in this space. You know, a lot of people would love that. They would love to understand what it means to feel good about just who you are. Yes. Yeah. I don't and, think and, and I don't think it even has to do with age, you know, like yeah. when you no. said I'm 41, because mm-hmm. I have learned more from my nieces yes. and nephews who are in their early 20s and the confidence and the chutzpah that they some of them have yeah. and some of the lessons they have learned. I learned <clears throat> so much from them. And yeah. so I really I think we all are given something to learn at a certain point in our life. And then if we graduate, if we get the lesson, we move on to the next lesson and it becomes accumulative. So, and if we're lucky enough, we live an, a, a long life. But I, I had a conversation with my, who was struggling at such a young age with an addiction. And he's, thank God, come through to another side of empowerment and he's got it together in his early young self of 20 something years. And he is way ahead of the curve. And I'm in awe of, of this boy, man now, and what he's, he's conquered. And so I, I really think it has nothing to do with age. We're given lessons, lessons that we need to learn for, at certain times of our lives. And that's what we have to pass on. Whenever you grab something and you and you get it, share it um, for the next person. I, I don't think it has to do anything with age. It's just when you get it, pass it on. Mm-hmm. And as I hear the word pass it on, yes. But don't pass it and give it all away. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to keep some for you. Because mm-hmm. if you just give it away, you stay empty with a void. And that's when you regress and go back to a beginning place. And the, the conversation about lessons, I think, I know that I'm fully developed, but I also do know that when Mia speaks to me, I listen and I hear, even if she's my junior. I also do know that if Vita send me, give me an insight, I walk away and say, hmm, Vita think that this is a good idea. Let me think about that. And I also do know if Victoria, so that's how I fill up my, 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 my space. Mm-hmm. 
just doing this exchange thing and mm-hmm. not being too big or too great or too overtrained or overprocessed or overeducated and that you cannot take. I take. And you know, with the people who work with me directly, um, sometimes I would say to them, let me take that home with me and process that. Yes. And the person would say, you know, well, Dr. Rice, you don't have, you know, yes or no. I said, no, I need to process that. So mm-hmm. I would take it with me, go into my quiet space at the end of each day. I process my day and mm-hmm. I would take because I need to fill up. Some things I would reject because it's not me and not everything that's given to me I want. And some things I would pull from it and I might break it down and make sense for me and make it authentic for me. Because we each are different, come from different places and spaces, different experiences, different language, different cultures, different the way we do things. And, um, but not everything come always, always. But we have to be wise enough to know that we can take what's given. Don't block it out because you're too big, you're too educated, you're too grand, you do this. Just take. And as Vita said, take it from her nephew. I take from my grandson. He's three and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. He told me the other day we I was pulling up weeds and I had a sciatic damage, as I had shared with you all. And both of us were around the house doing the weeds come between the brick. So I'm stooping and pulling up, and he said to me, "Mima, come out of the sun. You have to drink water because you don't mm-hmm. want your leg to get sick again." Ah, so cute. He's three. Mm. Wow. So what did I do? I walked away from the sun because it was really hot. I sat on the front porch, drank my water, elevated my leg, which I did wasn't paying any attention to at that mm. moment because <laughs> there was no pain. And I sat and I thought, but well, look at this little child. So mm-hmm. this is, mm-hmm. and they come to, once they can talk, they give you advice and you have to listen and hear it. You know, so as a group, we talk, we share, we take what we want what applies to us. And if there's something you don't want, you don't have to take it. But please take the goodies. Mm-hmm. Because only the goodies can fill us up. Mm. Yeah. Tori, you want to bring your voice into this? Um, actually, I just had a question because it keeps replaying in my mind. Because you said something, Vita, and you said that you, our weaknesses are our strengths. I wonder if you could elaborate on that. Like, what do you mean by that? Okay, I when I I was thinking of myself being this chubby little kid, no self worth, feeling really uh, I was bullied and and so forth. And so when you were saying about how you would stick up for the kids who were picked on, mm-hmm. that resonated with me because I have great empathy for anyone who doesn't fit the mold like mm-hmm. that because I was out of the mold. So anybody who was different, I would just noodle with. I would just go and join forces, like just because I found we under, we would understand each other. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I always thought was my weakness, now in hindsight, I think is my strength because I know that, that beauty is difference, that there is difference in, mm-hmm. uh, there is, there's something about being different that is so beautiful that that is the, my mantra. And, I, and that was this whole learning curve for me. And I think a smoker who stopped smoking is the first one to be all over it and say, no, you should be healthy, blah, blah, blah. 
whatever we had as a weakness, we, we turn it around and that eventually becomes your strength in, mm. in the smallest of things and the largest of things. Mm. So that, that's where I elaborate. And it seems oh. to be a, a common thread in life that, you know, somebody who was abused as a child, um, they would become an advocate for that. Mm. As I said, I was talking to my nephew. He now wants to coach people who has addictions. His 20-something-year-old self is now turned his life around and now wants to give back. I was not thinking that in my early 20s. And so I just think, wow, that is so powerful. And he's just getting started. I just, like, one step in front of the other. So I get goosebumps as I say that because I really think whatever we think is a weakness can be our most powerful force if we take well it. Said. Well said, Pita. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, this whole concept of weakness, I was thinking about that as you spoke, about what is weakness, for, for example. Sometimes we feel weak, but that is where we, where we can find our strength because mm -hmm. yeah. we have to survive. We have to live. We have to keep on keeping on. So, yeah. you know, I, and I go back to the weakness in the leg and um, the sciatic nerve. And it, yes, it was that drama week or two. And I reflected on that and I thought, my goodness, I got so much learning from this. Mm -hmm. It was a very painful two weeks, real hard, poisoned by the, a drug, an anti-inflammatory drug. And it was a sad moment for those who were listening to the story. But I came out stronger. Mm -hmm. I got myself plugged into a university and got into a course how to treat sciatica without taking an anti-inflammatory. Another piece of paper. <laughs> I got myself aware of how could I help my sister up there, Mia, who have a little slant on that as well. How could, what could I give to her to help her not mm -hmm. to get that severe pain? Yeah. Or to help the many, many women who have spoken to me in the last two or three years, two or three weeks, about their sciatic um, situation, yes. which I never thought they had that. I began talking about sciatica. I began talking about the drug, which is poisonous pay attention to it, and the amount of feedback and insight I got around this drug, around this, this injury, that so many, maybe 10, 15 women walk away saying, Dr. Rose, just give me a tip how to handle this. <laughs> Training Can women I... to handle sciatica. You know, yeah. so when the feeling, when it feels dark and dull, look for the light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right on. Roz, I also think that there's going to be an, there's another ripple effect to your event that happened with your back that you may never see. And that is the hospital that treated you and the nurse and all the details of that. I can guarantee after you had your episode, they would be reviewing how that happened. How was that given to you? You may have saved but, lives. But, Seriously, you may have saved oh lives. From it's having so that, much, it's so much that, but I don't want to put it out there. It, it took filing complaint to the College of Physicians and Surgeons. It took being a case presentation for the um, case presentation to the hospital for for rounds. It took it, and knowing me as an activist, I don't sit still on anything that seems wrong. Mm -hmm. It can be tiring from time to time, but I sit on nothing I, because it's so much no longer about me because I'm in charge of a sciatic injury now. I'm not going to get any more. I know how to prevent it. I would continue to put my program and 
learn as much as I can how to prevent it. But I also going to be talking to sisters and because there's only women talking about this I'm hearing and I don't know if that's a fact. I haven't done the research, Victoria. It seems as if women are the ones who are crying and talking about sciatic nerve and injuries and pain on the left leg, you know, which comes from the third and fourth lumbar area of the back that strikes down the leg if it's injured or herniated disc. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been doing a lot of that. I began the session by saying it has been a very busy two weeks. Mm -hmm. And most of the two weeks was educating, reaching out, talking, advising. This is what, don't do this, you know. So when things get really dull and dark, we can always find the light. I can always find the light. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was about 15, my brother said to me that every experience, even a bad experience, is a good experience. And I remember feeling so perplexed. I could, that made no sense to my 15-year-old <laughs> radical feminist brain. I was a radical feminist at 15 and activist. And I was going on protest marches. I started very early in life seeing the injustices on so many levels, right? And I thought about, I thought about, and then, you know, it took some time as I matured and I grew, which relates back to your point is, and I always try to flip things and see the positive right away. Even the worst, most horrible situation, I flip in my brain and I say something positive. I find something positive. I don't like to wallow in things because depending on the circumstances and whatever the incident is, it can bring you down. It brings other people down around you. So like Ross was saying, find the light, shine the light, flip it, turn it into something positive because there's always some positive can come even from bad circumstances. A lot depends on attitude mm -hmm. and ultimately behavior, which follows the attitude. And as you talk about behavior, I'm going to take this a deeper level for me. Um, in my reflection about that injury, I had to ask myself the question, why did I make the choice to build a stone patio all by myself? <laughs> and wh why? Really why? What was that about? Yes, it, looked, it will look good. I'm, I'm going to brag and tell my friends, wow, I did this and look at it. It's mm -hmm. nice and, and another project. But where I got to with that, my answer was, why was I trying to injure myself unconsciously? Why was I unconsciously trying to injure myself? And that took me to the unconscious side of the being, not the awareness, the deeper side of the self, the unconscious self that, that pushed me to build a flag patio alone. One of my doctors said to me, he said to one of the consultants said, medical consultant, the cardiac consultant said to me, he said, you know, Dr. Raz, I have five Physical, physically strong men in my backyard right now trying to build a flagstone patio and they cannot even finish. Mm -hmm. He said, why, make, why you made that choice? Why didn't you, one physician said to me, why didn't you groom a dog? <laughs> another person said to me, why didn't you write another song if you wanted a project? So I heard all those messages, mind you. And I smiled, we laughed, we played with it. Another physician said something to me like, okay, when I need to um, a landscape, I'm going to call you. Mm -hmm. but, so we turn things in fun. But in my quiet processing moments, I came back with a question. Why did I make the choice? And I went to the unconscious side. 
which is the deepest side that we don't access easily and readily. Because that's the side that say, why is Victoria wearing a black top today? Was it by chance? Was it by accident? Or there's a, a deeper reason why she chose to put that on? Why am I wearing red lipstick? Was that by, by chance? Or maybe because I just want to deeply brighten up my day. So the question is, why did I make the choice? Why did I make the unconscious choice to injure myself? And it goes back to self-love and self-care. So it leads me not to really figure that out and to stop looking at the superficial conversation for me and to look at the why. Why didn't you get, why didn't you get on your bike and go on the trail that day for the, last, for the three days and call it your little project? Yeah. I know those... Sorry. Go ahead, Victoria. I was just going to say, I know those are rhetorical questions, but I have an answer to your rhetorical question. And that would be because you have so much confidence in your abilities, that why wouldn't you consider doing something like that? Right? When you feel strong and you feel confident and competent and capable, you like to challenge yourself. You'd never done that before. You wanted a challenge. So why wouldn't you? Sometimes we have to test those limits because we don't know what we're capable of unless we test it. It doesn't always have a positive result necessarily, but you don't know that until you test it. So, and I'm all about that. You know, I love to push particularly women um, to do something that they've never done before. Or right away, if I suggest something and they're like... Me too. I like to push them and say to them, and I believe that. <laughs> yes. I believe I train women and we do some extreme stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes the sisters would say, what are we doing today? How far are we gonna run today? How far are we gonna walk? And I would say something like, oh, never mind. Um, mm -hmm. You can do it. Now they would say, no, I can't do a 15K. And I would say, you can do anything you wanna do. And mm -hmm. that same sister, including Vita, that same sister mm -hmm. is gonna do a 30K and didn't even know she did a 15 <laughs> <laughs> I took Vita on, I, I, I took Vita on a hike one day. Vita mm -hmm. said to me, oh, where are we going? And I said, I'm going to take you to this place. And she had a little bit of a strain in her, I think in her back or her legs. Yep. So she said to me, I cannot go up hills. I have to rest this leg or the back or what was going on. So I said, no, we aren't going to do no nothing. You just tell me when you <laughs> had too much. And I took her out with me. We came back like two and a half or three hours later on foot. Um, she said to me, I'll just follow you. I've never done this. I'll just follow you. So I kept on talking. <laughs> it's a game we play. Women, women can do so much. And sometimes if they don't get the challenge, they don't know they can. So I kept on yeah. talking and did what we did. And the next day she said to me, that was effortless. Yeah. <laughs> and we did do some hills, by the way. It was not That's all on terrain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. So she keeps saying, and I kept saying, you okay? She said, yes, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. She <laughs> It's flat, but you must force a few hills in between there through the, through the trees. <laughs> and then she said to me, um, but Dr. Dr. Rez, you're not afraid being in here by yourself? I said, no, there's not to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. And it was yes. a beautiful day for us. We bonded, we talked, we shared stories, we laughed. We, when we wanted to be quiet, we were quiet. Mm -hmm. When we wanted to talk, we talked, you know, and I believe in the, the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's so therapeutic. And, mm -hmm. and clearly because what is therapy, really? You hear the word and people think it's this big, grand mental health, psychiatric 
term, but it's not. It's just about emptying sometimes the container that is carrying the burden or carrying the load or can't put it in a story. I just put a heavy piece of story to my group when I talk about being a child. That's a big story with my grandmother. That's therapeutic to be able to empty, to let it go, to lighten up the space and to lighten up the, the, what appeared to be painful 50, 60 years ago. There's no pain to that today. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has come to my mind, hearing myself speak and listening to Roz, is I feel the vast majority of women, we have uh, innate leadership qualities, right? And I think how we are raised and the environment we're raised in can really have a, an impact on if and when and how we lead. Like Ra's example there, taking Vita along and Vita's going, which is fantastic. You had a great experience. You've made, you've deepened a friendship and a connection, right? And now you will in turn lead another woman, right? And this is the one thing I love about women. It's so unique. And unfortunately, men don't get to experience. And hopefully as we evolve and we change how we raise and socialize men, that that will change because women can be so supportive and uh, as I said, strong leaders, whether it's something as simple as going on a hike or something bigger than that, we can lead other sisters and then we take a turn and let others lead us and we learn and we grow and we just keep shifting. And it's a beautiful thing. Like just even with this group, Mm -hmm. I love it. My my husband would always say something like, one thing about women they are so comfortable sharing their pain with another woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but men don't do that. No. You know, they might turn it into a joke or something funny. But we have our therapeutic container around us just by the mere fact yeah. we are women. And this is why we should use it carefully. And, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about gossiping. I'm not talking about just anybody you may just empty yourself because you don't know where the material is going to go, how it's going to be used, if it's going to be therapeutic or if, or if it might make you psychotic. Because Freud said that if Victoria shares a story with me, for example, a painful story, and I take that painful story that Victoria shared with me, she gave that, me that gift for a reason. If I take that painful story or the gift that she gave to me and I go and I give it to Alicia without Victoria's permission, I can make Victoria quietly feel psychotic because she know I'm talking about her and I'm sharing it with somebody in a destructive way. So this is why for women, and I've always had that with me, my container, I carry a lot in my container. Mm -hmm. I would never share someone's personal story with another person unless permission is given. And not Mm -hmm. just permission is given, but permission is given to, can I I run that by Gail? Yeah, specific. I would always ask my colleagues, my friends that. Um, can I share that with Vita? And they would often say, why? Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you take that story mm-hmm. and you share it with someone else, that painful, traumatic story that, for example, Victoria shared with me, and I take that without her permission and give it, and, oh, you know, Victoria had a bike, and she went and she rode her bike, and, and, and then mm-hmm. she went into this, and this happened to her. That's gossip. Mm-hmm. But if you want our sisters to heal and to feel well, when they share their stories with us, their painful stories, that is, don't turn it into chit-chatter, don't turn it into gossip, don't turn it into sharing unless permission is given. 
And I even when permission is given, you have to say, you know, that was Victoria's story. Let her tell you now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hook you all up. <laughs> that's, that's how I do it. You know, I asked the other day, how come you didn't tell me so and so? I said, well, that was my story to tell. I'm mm. telling my story. Do what you want with it. But I'm not <laughs> telling my story about my son. I said, story to tell. And mm. I said to her, she said, how come you didn't tell me a Tiba did it? And a Tiba did it? I said, well, that is really a Tiba story to tell. Why, think, why deprive a Tiba from that? Why deprive him from his story? So it's really important for us to know how to share the stories, how to share somebody else's success in a way that they might want to tell it, and how often to get permission, mm-hmm. especially when the story is traumatic and painful and, and it's deep. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, if we take it to another person, another person take it to another person, another person take it to another person, it can lead the, the, the survivor feeling trump re-traumatized and not knowing it mm-hmm. because the story is being distributed in, in a destructive way. Yeah. On that note, thank you, Roz. On that note, Vita, when you were talking about how you were bullied as a young child, um, I'm sorry that you had that experience, but as you said, it has made you stronger, wiser, like that's, you know, a page in, in your storybook, but it doesn't define you. So good on you. Thank you. I, I, but like I said, it's just all these little, all these little stones that just, uh, you know, that were given to carry around and then disperse and get rid of. And yeah, you know, it, it, it's all part of it. Further to what uh, Roz was saying, I think men are so different than us that they don't share the stories and the emotions and 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 so forth. And I honestly think that there's a reason why we live longer. I think it is a healthier way in in one sense. I'm not saying, but men generally do not live as long as women. And I think there is something physical about sharing and helping each other and having the community and all what that is. I think men carry a lot of burdens, have not been able to share, don't know how to, haven't been taught. It, yeah. You know, you can't cry. You can't tell how you feel. You've got to be the pillar of strength on and on. That yeah. weight, I think, weighs on one's heart and one's body. And uh, it, it, it's not good. I, I'm very anxious to, to send the message to them as well and show that, no, we need, we need to have communication. And, and uh, I think you can live a lot longer and a lot healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the early messages that we, as women, give to our little sons very early, or little yeah. boys, or little brothers, you know, don't cry, be a man. And you mm-hmm. hear that for children very early, and you want to ask the question, what does that mean? You know, we've all heard that at some point, and this is why we have to encourage our boys to cry, to mm-hmm. feel, to talk. What's happening with you? How are you? I, I remember when I had my young kids in Montreal. My friends would tease me, really, really tease me, my circle of friends. And when they come in, come to our house, they would say, we go into um, Russ's house for family therapy. That was supposed <laughs> to be a joke. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. But, you know, it was for me with my children, it's always how you're feeling. How are you today? And when I ask someone, how are you today? And they say, fine, I'm just moving on. Because I know fine means... 
I don't want to talk, leave me alone. I couldn't be bothered to even check into my feelings. When I work with my senior team and we do check-ins, and I said, check-ins, how are you today? And my senior team say, I'm fine. I said, and I breathe. And then I would say, how are you really today? And then I would say to them, I'm hearing you say to me, you don't want to talk about it. Because I'm fine means nothing. And it's a quick response when you, you know, with the public, they could say I'm fine. But when coming to the closeness and the, the group, and how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? So what mm. they do, they throw out, I'm fine, leave me alone, and then throw reflect and throw it back to you so you oh, can yeah. talk about how you feel it. Because mm -hmm. they're having such difficulty talking about their own feelings. Yeah. And that's a common thing. Dr. Ross, do you think that, um, I mean, not everybody's able to share it. Not everybody uh, understands how to communicate. How to what? So, how to communicate properly. So, I mean, we've, we see that all the time. It's not just, I mean, with men, definitely. Communication with men is a whole different kettle of fish, right? But there, we have we have a lot of women that are in our circles who don't know how to communicate properly. And you know, you spoke on gossiping and, and how they share stuff that they're not supposed. To. I mean, they're better able to gossip than to properly communicate. You know, and express that this is something that I don't like. Or I'm okay with that, but you know, I'm not okay with that. A lot of people don't know how to use their words effectively to to um, communicate with others. So we have a lot of messed up relationships with our female to female friends, male to female friends. You know, in the in the workplace, in the family, even amongst um, parents, children, mm -hmm. um, in in our general circles, because somewhere. There was a disconnect in how you were taught to communicate. And that, that is, I mean, that is a, a, a issue that I don't even know how to start. How do we start to address something like that? I listen to you. What comes up for me is that not being able to communicate, that's really an excuse. Hmm. Because we all talking, we all have language, we all could say whatever we want to say, what accent we want to say, how we want to say, how effective we'll be to our body language when we want to say it. So when we say they don't know how to communicate, I think that's an excuse. That's a, a kind of a, you know, everyone knows how to communicate. Mm -hmm. And we communicate more with our bodies than with our voices. Mm -hmm. You know, we use our body language louder than our vocal voice. So it's really up to you, up to each of us, when people are communicating to us to listen and hear. Because they might not be able to be articulating this in expressing the emotion in the same way we are trained or learn over time to do it. But they're communicating. They communicate with their actions, which is way louder than, than words. They communicate in, in the simple way, for example. When I say, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. You have communicated to me that you don't want me to ask you another word. <laughs> that you don't, you want me to leave you alone. So there's always communication. So they do know. We all do know. Because if my three-year-old grandson, and I keep going back to this child, that I'm watching grow from birth. You know, I don't know how I, I pay so much attention. Each day he has, he's growing. Each day is a different day. And this child will communicate something like, mommy, 
I'm not mad with you, you know. I was just uh, frustrated. <laughs> That's so cute. Now, really, if a two and a half year old child could tell his mother that, we learn to communicate very early. Mm-hmm. How we do it is really up to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we do it in different ways, clearly. We, and we particularly do it in our body language. Like if I'm having a conversation with, with a woman or on a panel, for example, and she started giving me this. Fold the arms. That's loud communication. She doesn't have to speak. Mm-hmm. We know right away she's locked in. She's blocking you out. She doesn't want to hear a thing you say. So you have to check in and say, are you with me? You know, yeah. are, are you okay? Are you feeling, you hearing what we say? Because by folding the arms and rocking the body left and right and from cheek to cheek, that's communication. So we all do know how to do that. Yeah. So having said that, that was the signal. <laughs> Six o'clock. Ready. Wow. But I want to really take the moment to say thank you. Thank you all for taking the time every two weeks to sit for this hour to just check in with our souls. 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 Pick up. this, no permission given, can't touch this, can't touch this, 